I think about inspiration, my next guest ticks every box. She's an educator, digital marketing strategist, an international speaker on economic development, women's empowerment, and leadership, and a very, very bright light. Please welcome to the conversation, Lillian Ajay Ore. Yay! Happy to so be here. For joining us. Very excited to speak with you. So I always start the conversation with one question, which is, what do you believe? What do I believe? Wow. Um, it's a very important question. I think that's one of the things I was, I was drawn to with your podcast. It's like, you know, that question makes you want to pause and, and really think about it. Um, my belief system, I think it's divided into three parts. I believe in God. Um, I believe in, you know, divine calling. And I believe in humanity. And I think that those three things has been the driving force behind every single milestone that you kind of explained the reason why I'm an educator, because I felt like that calling was there. And I was so happy that NYU and all the different schools that I've been able to teach at um, have provided me the opportunity. Believing in God is where I really draw my inspiration, because I know you're going to ask me that later on in the interview. Um, it's my way of kind of you know, be more of a conscious human being and, and, and being like God-like, you know, in my activities, in my, in my friendship, in my relationship, in my conduct in humanity, in terms of the things that I do for the world and the things that I do for myself and my family. It's to, to look at it from, you know, a religious standpoint and say, you know, what would God go and how would God respond to you for behaving this way or being like this? And then the belief in humanity is really my driving force. You know, when you, you know, in my mind, I have those things in three bubbles that kind of pulls it together and right in the center is just me and me connecting to all of these three vices. And believe in humanity is important as well that, you know, you're not only changing for yourself, you're also kind of transforming for the people around you for the benefit from, you know, for human good. And I have so many people that I will talk to you guys later on about uh, who've really inspired me in how to really shape the direction of my life and my career, right, and my own personal endeavor and professional endeavor to be one that serves humanity. So that's why that element, it's really important to me. So when I think about my mm -hmm. um, myself, I think about how a big part of me really, really feels connected to serving humanity. And I try to do that in every shape and, and ways possible. Wow, that is such a beautiful response. Yeah. That is leadership at its finest. So when you were growing up, um, how, how did you sort of come to think about all of these elements and what was, what, what was that driving force for you that kind of created and how, how did it come about? I mean, how did you, at what point did you sort of kind of know who you are? You know, yeah. you are, you're rooted in, in this sense of self. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. I think for me, my started early. And I think a lot of my friends is like, oh, Lillian, you got so lucky. You know exactly what you're supposed to do in this world. My came out of helplessness, to be honest. And, you know, when you talk to leaders around the world, one of the things that they say is that innovation comes from the feeling of helplessness. And I grew up in Nigeria and, you know, at that time, I just felt like there was a lot of oppression on women and no one really cared about at the time, you know, that was many years ago, um, people were not, there are social issues that they should be, that should be at the forefront, weren't as forefront, like education, equal equality, 
um, protection for women, more social resources for women, families to take care of the children. And I saw so much of that growing up. And, you know, I, I remember telling myself, and I was six years old. I mean, it even started in the classroom, like, you know, seeing that my peers were struggling with learning and, and wanting more time with their teachers. And the teacher's not, you know, it's just saying that I'm too busy. There's too many of you guys. And me kind of planning some kind of homework activity out my home and telling my mom ahead of time so she can prepare meals and, and, and drinks and things like that for my, my fellow classmate. And it's always like, for me, I, I always feel the helplessness a lot more like a lot closer than most people. And my, I remember when I started GC4W, my dad was like, oh, Lillian, you don't have to solve all the problems in the world. I said, but if I can, I definitely will try. Yeah. Um, and so this is my way of doing that. And that sense of duty kind of led on throughout my life. And, you know, we left Nigeria, we came to the U.S., and we started a new life here. And I've always felt like I needed to give back. I needed to do something to help support women and girls um, around the world in the best way that I know how. And, you know, I, I just, I think that, I didn't know that I was gonna establish Global Connection for Women. And I really love that word connections because I think connection is what really can bring us out of a selfless or even a helpless situation into something more meaningful. Yeah. And so that's been like really the, the main source of like why I started to do GC4W, why I'm the person that I am, because I've seen so much selflessness in the world. And, and I just felt like people shouldn't have to struggle um, as, as much as they do. Absolutely. So and you're. I, and I was sorry, I just want to share. So, my first feature in um, Forbes magazine, and it's so funny, um, when I was talking to the interviewer, she and I, I remember just like not even thinking about what she was asking me, but just talking from my heart and being authentically Lillian. Wow. And you know, she when she asked me why did you start GCRW, I was like, um, because the world needed a lot of help, and and that became the caption <laughs> in the story. And I was just like, oh my god, you know, little me saying the world, and it is, it's true. I mean, I think every single one of us, you know, if you're trying to figure out what it is you're supposed to do, is how can you as an individual serve humanity? And I think when you start with that question, everything else unfolds. That's so true. It's so beautiful. It's so true. And then that turns into your passion. Yes, yes, yes. And I'll get to that because I know you can ask me that in a little bit. Oh, yeah. yes, I will, for sure. There's so many questions I have for <laughs> you. It's, it's, yes, so many questions. Um, so, I mean, in terms of uh, leadership, it, you know, at this point, which is a very difficult time um, during this time of, of COVID, how do you lead, how do you, even if you're a small business owner or if you're a large corporation, any advice that you could give, even if you're just leading yourself or two people, or you have hundreds of thousands of people, you know, whatever it is, could you just give us some advice about, you know, how to do that right now in this very difficult time? Yeah, and you know, I think the word that comes to mind is visibility. You know, like right now as a leader, you need to be visible. I mean, we, in me becoming more visible to my own community, you know, I started the GC4WT time and I'm the host. So now my community sees me every time. Like, you know, we have live sessions a couple times a week and, you know, we would love to have you on, on air very soon. And it's just, you know, what we need right now is more empathy. And in order for us to drive and connect to that empathetic side of us, we need to become more visible. 
Um, we had someone talk yesterday, my, you know, my, my really close friends, her name is Carmen um, Bryan, and she talked about how, you know, when companies, so she works for Indeed.com, and she's like, when you're looking for companies to work for, take a look on their employee page and see how the company is kind of relating to the employees. And I think in terms of a leadership advice that I have is make yourself visible. I'm not sure if you saw Obama's um, video last night, and it was nice to see a former president come on and speak and talk about, you know, how we should deal with, you know, times like this. And I think visibility is the biggest gift. And it's just, it's nice to know you're there and you're there for that. And then you can really start to, to listen in and, and talk to them about what your beliefs and how you're getting through it because your story enlightens everybody else and also helps people get through this time that it's unpredictable. We don't know what the outcome is. We're hoping for the best and leaders just need to make time to be visible. So even if you're a leader within your own, you know, like within your own community, your own family, be more visible to your family. You know, like I've done a lot of group chats with my friends. I've done a lot of chats, group chats and like video call, conferencing calls with my family member. And I try to get that done more routinely. And I think, you know, talk about your fears and talk about your challenges and talk about your anxiety and, and be open. You know, we don't need our leaders to be like hardcore strong. This is not the time to show strength right? This is a time to show more empathy and more sympathy and to walk us through your life and your experiences. And that's what, I think that's the softer message that people are going to get that's going to really transform how they view this current circumstances. And it's going to help them feel better, whether they're coping with, you know, the impact or listening to the impact. Either way, it's going to help them cope through it if they have more time with you. And you just have to become more visible. It's so true. Thank you. It's so, so true. I mean, in terms of, um, you know, right now, everyone's sort of in this pressurized situation, not just she's trying to stay healthy or battling the virus, but also creatively um, and business wise and, and how to be creative in their business. Um, and of course, there's this pressure to sort of create, create, you know, you could write your best novel right now and all of that. And, and I have some friends who can, can barely get off the couch, you know, so can, can you, can you talk to how can people sort of get motivated or if they have an idea, how do they start a business during this time right now? Is, is there anything you could sort of speak to about kind of that? Yeah, and it's so funny how you, um, you, you're, you're touching on things that we also covered on the GC4WT Time Live. And we had a live session this morning with Cassandra. And, you know, one of the things that she said, when it comes to creativity and listening to your voices and like things that comes up and you're like, do this, do this now, do this now. My best advice is, first of all, try to manage your energy, right? At this point where your energy is almost everywhere in the sense that like you're afraid, you're worried, you have some concerns, you're reading news and things like that. And then first, you know, the, if I were to give advice is one, step one is manage your energy. Mm-hmm. And the way that you manage your energy is by reducing certain noises. Like, you know, try to separate yourself from people who are a little anxious because you want to get into that creative mindset and zone, Right. The second thing that you want to do is zoning. And in order for you to really tap into that inner side of you that wants to create, you need to make time to do it. So 
get a journal and start writing. And so one of the things I learned from Cassandra, because we did a meditation exercise, was like, I never did this, actually. I didn't know that when you go into meditation, you need to have questions that you're looking for clarity on. So maybe in your zoning phase, you can kind of sit quietly and start to talk to yourself or run through certain questions to, your, to yourself and what, listen to how your mind responds to it. The other thing is, the third thing that I think is like, know that you are meant to do incredible things. You're not just an ordinary person. I think we all have great talent. Uh, my friend calls it superpowers. Yeah. And what, what prevents us from really tapping into our, our superpower is the belief that we can do it. So, you know, one is definitely kind of manage your energy. The second step is, you know, zoning in and really making time to either meditate or write notes or, or journal. And then the other time, the third thing is to believe in your own abilities. Like, you know, nobody else is going to believe in what you're capable of except for yourself. Because if you don't believe it, then it's not going to come out. Um, which she describes as resisting. Sometimes we resist the things that we're supposed to do yes. because we let fear take the best of it. You know what yeah. I mean? Um, so figure out a way to, to, to turn your, your fears into questions and respond to them so that way you can manage your emotions and everything else that follow after that. And then the, the other thing that I would, do, I would say, the fourth thing is make time to talk to mentors, right? Yeah. Um, and, you know, like I tell my students all the time that, hey, guys, there's got to be somebody. And they always like you, professor, <laughs> okay. yeah. aside from me, um, you know, there's got to be someone else. Like maybe have a list of five people that you admire. Who is in my circle that I admire? Who's outside of my circle that I can connect to on LinkedIn that I admire? Who has a podcast that I admire, like yours, right, um, that I can listen to to drive some kind of inspiration? What we listen to can help us internally tap into that inside of ourselves that want to produce something beautiful into the world, right? Mm -hmm. And the fifth thing that I would say in terms of the step is, um, you know, definitely subscribe to something. Like one of the things that I did when I first started GC4W is, I subscribe to Inc. Magazine, Fast Company, like all these like publications that I trusted their voice. I, for me, it was like, I wanted to understand what does it take to build a sustainable business? What is the attitude that leaders and founders have that I need to develop, right? So by subscribing to something else allows you to form your own belief system as you go about whether you're creating or you're writing a book or you're producing a completely new business right mm -hmm. and it also gives you an opportunity to learn from their mistake oh i won't do that or i will do that right um so those are the five key steps that i think would by that time that you've kind of the last step by the time you got you know you've had the chance to like read about certain people like you know incredible individuals that you know in the world and you've kind of understood their journey there's no way that that wouldn't force you to be like all right i'm ready to to create my own path and I gave you this advice because that's the same one that I believe in and the one that I've been using. And I share this with the GC4W University community as well. And wherever I go to speak is that, you know, there's got to be a mindset change. Like in order for you to, your, your mindset is not going to change just because you want, you decided to start a business. You have to have a practice or a ritual that is going to allow you to change your mindset so that you can achieve those things that you've desired to do. And you're meant to do because these are your gifts. You yeah. know, well, I'm curious. Well, firstly, I want to hear all about, I want you to tell everyone about GC4W, but I want to hear about what you are super proud. What are your super <laughs> <laughs> So many, but I. Talk about this. 
Um, I know superpowers. I think for me is like, I think that I have, I have great intuition, right? Um, and the reason why, and to be honest, I struggle in the beginning to like, you know, and I think we all struggle when it comes to our instinct and intuition. And the way that I've kind of built a sense of comfort with the mind is that, you know, I am, I'm religious. And I think for you to really drive that intuitive sense, you need to have some kind of religion that kind of supports you. So I read the Bible, you know, I, I talked, I listened to some, you know, some um, pastors who talk about specific messages and I, I tried to internalize and say, what does this message mean to me? And, and then, you know, my dad always say that the Bible is the living word of God. People always think that a Bible is the, is a historical thing. It's like a legacy thing. No, it's actually, there, there are teachings in the Bible that applies to today. So a lot of my superpower is, you know, stands from my ability to trust the voice of God in whatever variation it comes, whether it's through a Bible, through community, talking to my friends, or even listening to a pastor talk. Um, the other superpower that I think is like, you know, my desire to want to serve humanity in whatever form that comes in. Um, you have to choose a path, right? Um, you cannot have a superpower without knowing what path you need. And I know that the universe, right, once you've decided what path to take, the universe will then collaborate to make sure that you have everything, all the tools that you need to be on that path. So my path is I want to help women. I want to help um, girls, right? And because of that, you know, like because of some of my ideals and some of my values and the research that I do, I've gotten a lot of opportunity to go and speak on bigger platforms, UN, you know, go to other countries and talk about specific things and, and being invited by university to speak on, you know, certain topics um, has given me an opportunity to really own in on my superpower, which is I want to serve humanity. And serving humanity doesn't necessarily have to stay within your organization. I think people are, people limit themselves and be like, oh, I'm just doing this. And this is the only thing I'm doing. Mm -hmm. Whereas you're supposed, and I love how my friend said it, you're supposed to share your medicine with everybody else. Oh, so wow. my organization has turned into an agency where we create programs for larger organizations. People will be surprised if I mention some of them. Um, they'll be like, wow, you guys create programs for such a giant company. Absolutely, because we feel the need to share our medicine, our secret, our superpower with other companies and other countries and other leaders because we feel like we have a solution that could work, right? Um, That's incredible. Can you share some of that with us? or? Yeah, and then I just want to say one other thing yes. in terms of my superpower is, is, is has to do with collaboration. And I think sometimes as leaders, as founders, as entrepreneurs, as business leaders, you know, we get so comfortable in, in just the environment and the status quo. Don't get comfortable. Don't get comfortable. Yeah. Because the way that I see it is that, you know, the world is not just one shape. It's circular. It moves, you know, it goes from right to right. You see how the sun rises and sets and it goes to different parts of the world. That's, That's right. how you are supposed to be. You're supposed to orbit around as many people as you can that you trust because trust is really important. So I see as part of my superpower is understanding and seeing the value in collaboration. So I'm always seeking um, people to collaborate with. I look at different companies. I look at different um, charities and you know, non nonprofit and for-profit and say, how can we collaborate? Um, how can I bring my medicine to you? And how can I bring your medicine to my people? And, I, and even just private individuals, you know, the Francesca having a board and having these wonderful women who sits on my board and creating multiple boards after that 
because there's just so many opportunities to, to bring their own freshness and ideas into this mix. And I think when we don't collaborate as we grow as leaders, we limit the opportunity for newness. So the newness doesn't have to, like you don't have to be the only innovator in your organization. You have to tap into other sources and other people in order to bring that innovation. Um, and so to your question about like, who have we done stuff with? I mean, we've done a partnership with um, UN Women and Twitter. We did uh, one around um, gender you know, violence against women on campus. So we had a whole campaign around that. We had a workshop with a bunch of different university um, student leaders, and we came up with different tactics of how to resolve that. Uh, we've done something for uh, Microsoft Education. We created a um, teach gender equality course that I think about now like 60,000 um, people are certified um, by GC4WN, um, Microsoft Education. And, you know, that particular program is um, about I think 3 million teachers worldwide have access to that so they can bring that teaching to the classroom. I was invited by Microsoft on International Women's Day to be their spokesperson to talk, to take questions from classroom from different parts of the world. And that was beautiful to do. Uh, we've done a partnership with like Clinton Foundation. I'm on the board of 2030. Um, and we continue to do stuff with them and, and Cherry, um, Chelsea Clinton. And now I'm building, you know, I'm the academic director for a female founder collective and um, they have a, a sponsorship from UBS and we've built the investment readiness program. Um, now 50, 50, 50 female founders in different parts of the nation are going to have access to this course. Um, and it's going to help them be able to raise funding on their own. And that's just some examples of things that we've done and companies that we work with. And that's what I love about, you know, being able to collaborate and not being selfish and be like, no, we just want to keep this idea to ourselves. Right, right, <laughs> right, right. Of course. Yeah. Amazing. So, I, I mean, I'm just curious through all this, this incredible career of yours, are, was there, is there, have there been one defining moment through all of these amazing collaborations and anything that stands out in your mind that's that one defining moment for you in your career? Yeah, I mean, to be honest, I, I remember telling one of my friends who is extremely religious about this. So shout out to Joan. I hope she gets to listen to this. Hi, Joan. <laughs> yeah, Joan, you know, she, one of the things she said to me was, you know, don't be afraid to ask your angels for help. And I was like, and I, you know, I have on my wall little stickies. Um, and I think one of the, the defining moments for me is that I start to feel goosebumps. Like, you know, especially when I'm in the classroom talking to my students and I ask them like, or when I'm doing a speech or when I'm doing a session with the GCFW University. And I think the defining moment for me that I knew that I am doing exactly what I was created to do uh, was when I decided to launch GC4W. And I'll, and I'll tell you the story, it's really cute. So I was a member of the Harvard Club um, for a few years. And um, one particular time I went in there, for, there was like a women's um, association, it was like a women's meeting. And they had all these like wonderful dignitaries from the US. And I remember sitting there and being like, oh my God, I wonder what it's like to be a woman, you know, in another country and, and who are, you know, this was when that gender inequality was at its peak, when everybody was like, there is so much inequality in my country, in my country, in my country, but we didn't have a, a collective way of doing that. And so I remember sitting there and I, and I asked the question, I was like, you know, it's nice that we're all in here in New York City talking about 
things that impacts us. Is there a way or is there a platform that exists that pulls now, you know, seven years later, we have that in place, but we didn't have it seven years ago, right? When I first started GC4W where, where we feel more connected as women that your stories in India is very similar to my story. And I didn't know that until I became preview to it. And so I remember the, the host was like, I'm sorry, like we don't have currently have that, or I don't even know of a platform. And the only way a platform like that could exist is if you created one or somebody creates one. And, and right away, you know, the touch light went on in my head and I said, I want to set it up. And I remember meditating and, and playing around with words and say, what do I want to call it? And so I asked myself, you know, who is this trying to serve and what is the purpose? So I said, you know what? I want it to be a global one. I want it to be about women and I want it to be about connection. So I put it global connections for women and it's been that ever since. And I think, you know, looking at the, the, you know, the growth and the impact that we've made, I mean, GCVW has a 3.5 million reach. Um, it's just, it brings me so much joy to do what I love every day and to make, to create such impact. You know, we just finished our second cohort for the GCFR University. And I, you know, I, I held it back my tears at the front of my students, but I wanted to just stop crying because of the emotions that we all felt in the room after the class ended and how much they got out of it. And, and they were just like, thank you so much, Lillian, for giving your time to this. Thank you for bringing all your expertise, like your friends who came and spoke to us in the profession, we just know that you guys put a lot of thought into this and it's nice to have that. And the first part of it, we had, you know, we had about 15 students from 15 different countries in the world who were part of the first cohort and second cohort, same thing. Um, and so it's just been a joy. And I think, you know, what I do with Global Connection for Women is, is something that brings me joy every day. And that's the aha moment that I have every day. And we continue to evolve our programs. We don't stay with just one thing. We continue to build. Because what I realize is our needs are changing and evolving. So an organization should change their focus as well. But we have our core principles that we stay by. Amazing. Amazing. I mean, as a woman, I, uh, I want to feel empowered and I, and I want to help make a difference on the part of women. So how, how can I do that? Sometimes yeah. I, you know, I, I, I'm not sure, you know, I'm a coach, I mentor people and, and all of that, but how can I every day sort of be a part of that movement? Yeah, no, it's such a great question. And it's the reason why I decided to create the GC4W Circle, right? And the mission of the GC4W Circle is to give women like yourself and myself an opportunity to reach outside of our community. Because there's some kind of validation that goes into knowing that, yes, I can help my friend and I have access to my friends, but I want to access people that I typically won't, you know, it won't come across my way, but I can do that through this platform. And so how do you, how can you, one, join the GC4W Circle? That's one way to do that, right? Um, that information is on gc4women.org. Um, but how else can you create and mobilize and empower other women? Um, one great way that you're doing this is through voice, right? Through your podcast. You're definitely making that possible. And I'm happy that you're doing that because you have no idea who's who's listening to the conversation that we're having and what situations are in. Like, You'll be surprised when you ask a question and you tell them to email you. They will express like, thank you, you got me through this milestone. So I think one is acknowledge what you're already doing right now to, it, to empower people. And I applaud you and I'm so happy and humbled by the invitation to come on this platform. 
and add my own um, two cents to your discussions. Um, the other thing that you can do in terms of creating empowerment moments is join organization, come to my organization, um, join other women organization, right? And figure out a way to, to not just, you know, donate your, your, your money, but also donate your time, right? And challenge yourself every year to add to that, right? I know people are like, oh, I don't want to overextend myself, but some organizations just need two hours of your time. You know what I mean? They just need three hours of your time. So even me as a head of GC4W, I sit on a lot of boards. I join, I even sit on some nonprofit organizations board and you'll be surprised like, wow, how does she have time to do that? Because I want to feel like I'm creating an impact. I'm empowering other women. So now I'm you know, part of the FFC community, right? Female Founder Collective community. And I'm doing something there and that makes me feel like I'm making a difference. So challenge yourself to go outside of your circle join organization and give a little bit more of your time and every year add more to the list and maybe let go of one right and add another one and i think that's one way of kind of measuring how much impact you're having hereafter thank you it's a great response i really appreciate that thank you so you you're a part of the faculty at nyu i just have to tell you i have to move to the power <laughs> Sorry, this is this is happening right now. I have to move to the power source. Um, Zoom, as much as we love Zoom, I guess just really sucks the battery life. Um, uh, so you're you're part of the faculty at NYU, and and I'm just curious. You were nominated by students for the Teaching Excellence Award. Congratulations. Yeah. So what do you think makes a great educator? Wow, great question. And to be honest, like. You know, I think when you, if you ask me like, what is my number one passion? It's education. Mm. And, and I think that, you know, do, I think teachers have so much power that sometimes they undervalue how much power they have. And I don't mean like power is in assigning grades, but power in terms of influence and, and transformation, all of that. So what makes a great educator? A couple of things. The first one is empathy, right? You have to empathize with your learners, right? Don't come into the room as, oh, I'm the subject matter expert. You guys have to bow down to me. No, that's not how it should work. And I have to be honest, like I've had horrible you know, educators. I've had great educators. And the ones that I really prefer are the ones that empathize and say, you know what? I know you, I just, I just explained this concept to you, but you still don't understand it. I'll find another way to educate. Like the other day, I had a class on Easter day because my students had more questions about an assignment that was due like a couple of days after that meeting. And I made time because I know Easter is important to my family, but I have a responsibility and an obligation to give them two hours of my Easter, which is not the end of the world, right? So that empathy is really important. The other thing that I think works very well is humanize yourself. Um, and by humanizing yourself is like, try to form a real connection with your learners, right? It's not about spitting out information to them and, and expecting them to absorb it. The connection piece is what get them to connect to, you know, connect to your words and your doctrine and the theories that you're sharing. And for me, I'm, I'm always, I'm interested in transferring that knowledge. So I want you to be able to transfer that knowledge that you collected in my class onto an endeavor that you do beyond my classroom. So I'm constantly thinking about what happens to my students once they complete their education, right? Um, and so it's important to form real connection through humanization of yourself, right? You can establish true connection. 
Um, the other thing that I always say is that, you know, you want to have an active learning environment. <laughs> an active learning environment isn't the kind of environment where you're just lecturing and lecturing and lecturing. Active environment is you lecture a bit, you ask questions to the student, and if you feel like they're not responding, you put it into an exercise. Turn to your neighbor, talk about it, come up with it. Because we have different types of personality when it comes to our learners. Some of them are, you know, some of them are, you know, um, introverts, some of them are extroverts, some of them are quiet, some of them come from a culture where they're not supposed to speak in class, right? So you're dealing with cultural dynamic, you're dealing with personality dynamics, and so you have to pr for, you know, provide that safety net for your students to feel like they want to collaborate, right? And they want to participate. The other thing that I do very well is that sense of belonging. And belonging is not a corporate term, it's something you do in the classroom as well. So I'm also an NYU scholar. So what that means is it gives me an opportunity to do research. And I did research on knowledge transfer and I interviewed a bunch of my students. And one thing that was consistent in their responses was my classroom afforded them that sense of belonging. They're like, some of us have accents, some of us don't have accents. You never made us feel like we're a foreigner in the classroom. When we were in the classroom, we were just learners. So always try to make sure that your students all of them, not just one, not, not just a couple of people belong in your classroom, all your students belong in the classroom. And that's really important because then it lessens attention because my, my students was like, sometimes you give us a group project, we're collaborating with other groups as well to kind of see what they're saying and then to make sure that we're learning from them. And this is even before, that's the anecdote, that's the nuance, that's the, the mm. things that you get once you come and ask them to present in front of the class so the students can all, they can all learn from each other. But mm. to know that they're already doing that beyond the day of presentation was incredible. So definitely heighten that sense of belonging with your students. And then the last thing that I think is really important is listen to your students, right? I've had my students talk to me about how they've had educators. I'll be like, they'll ask a question and the educator will be like, oh yeah, we'll get to it. Or I don't have time to answer that. No, you're not there for yourself. You're there for your students, right? You're there for your learners. So make time for your learners and respond to their questions because it's valid, right? Mm -hmm. um, when people ask questions, I think educators should understand it. Like to me, it's, it's my way of gauging their knowledge and seeing where there's gaps. Like if someone asks me a question, then I know there's a knowledge gap. And as an educator, it's important to fill that knowledge gap with information so they can move forward, right? So I can drive them through the class as opposed to have them go up and down. I don't know it, I know it. I know it, I don't know it, right? So figure out what cycle you're going through with your students, with your learners and be very sensitive to their question and make time for it. Like, even if I have like five minutes left in the class or maybe the class ended and people are like, professor, I have some other questions. I say, all right, I'll give you extra minutes. And I say to the class, like, if you guys wanna stay and listen, you're welcome to. And if you guys wanna leave, you're welcome to as well. Give them the option, let them feel like they're value members in the classroom and you're just not the leader in the classroom. They're leading too by being present in your classroom. And I think those are the tactics that I work that you know, has made me faculty innovator for NYU, NYU you know, scholar and things like that. And I really lead from my heart and say, what's good for me as a learner, because I'm a learner too, is also good for other learners as well. So it's like making sure that you're reciprocating the way that you wanna learn and the way that you wanna be dealt with when you're in a learning environment, right? How are your students doing right now during this? Oh, 
Yeah, I'm so happy you asked that. Um, they're, they're surviving is the way that I would, you know, say. And, you know, it's a very sensitive time that I think, you know, I've, I've had to teach differently um, than the way that we teach before. And I, I mean, I admire them because when I was in school, I didn't have to deal with all of these uncertainties. And I worry about my graduating class because, you know, they're getting excited about finishing school, but they're coming into a climate. There isn't, there's not a lot of job available. Um, but I, I, I know that my students are, they're definitely, they're going to persevere, right? And, and I know that they have faith. Um, and I know that they're hard workers. And, you know, I've, I've set up certain things for them so that they can, find different companies that's going to hire them, especially now. So like your Zoom of the world, apply to Zoom if you don't know yet. Oh. Of the world, you yes. know, um, Carmen said yesterday in, in the um, Instagram chat, and she was like, you know, look for technology company. Any, any essential business is like where to look in terms of, and she's like, companies are hiring. And, you know, Indeed.com is making sure that they flag jobs that are available now so that, you know, people, job seekers could find it more easily. And so it's, it's a been, I think, you know, we, so I had to do a video yesterday um, and the video is going to, they're going to play it because we're going to have a virtual graduation at NYU. And one of the questions that they asked me was, um, you know, what was the biggest challenge and how did that challenge become the greatest opportunity? And the way that I answered the question, I, and sorry, NYU, for putting this out before the release of the video, what I said was learning, right? Learning is a universal language. And for learning to thrive, it requires the collective. So whether you're in person or in remote, it has no bearing because you just need to have a couple of people in the room for learning to thrive. And that's what's really gotten us through this because we have that thirst for knowledge and learning is the way to get to that, to quench that thirst, so to speak. And I think that's what's really driving that. And knowledge and learning provides an escape for us. So I think my students are happy that at least when they come to the classroom, they're going to learn something amazing. They're going to get out of their comfort zone and they're going to get, they're going to have their little escape before facing reality. And I, I teach them gratitude. I was like, you know, Let's show some gratitude for being alive, for our family being well, because some people are dealing with the, the bitter end of that. Um, and I think that's how we've been kind of dealing with it is empathizing with people who are going through the hardest extreme of this and, and, and being more gracious and, and showing gratitude for the opportunities that we have, right? Um, and that's how, and thank you for asking that because you know, my heart always goes out to my students. Yeah, sure. It's a delicate time for mm -hmm. in your life, for sure. Well, you are certainly in a, a very influential and aspirational and aspiring person in their life because you certainly are in mind. In oh, mind, curious. Who hasn't? Who who were your inspirations um, growing up, and who are they now? Yeah, I mean, mine. My biggest inspiration was my mom. My mm -hmm. mom was a community leader. She. My mother was like such a busy woman. She was an entrepreneur. She was a serial entrepreneur. She had a bunch of different companies. Um, she worked for the government too. And it's so funny. I was telling a friend this recently. I was like, I never thought that I would be a mini version of my mom, but I, <laughs> I am. Yeah. And sometimes you admire people so much that you become them, right? Yeah. Um, and one thing that my mom did very well was like, she had a really good balance at home. Like we felt supported by her. I mean, she was checking our homeworks every night, even though she was very busy. 
Um, she made us meals every night, you know, for, for lunch, for dinner, and all of that. And so I learned how to balance it well because I watched my mother growing up balance it so well. And even now I tease her, I'm like, man, I only have one child. And, and I'm just like, how did you manage to do five children by yourself? My mom was a single parent mom. Um, oh, but my wow. dad was involved as best as he could, but my mom raised five kids by herself. So I definitely admired a lot of strength that comes from that woman. Um, my other, so growing up, like, Cheryl Sandberg is like one of my biggest, um, I, I, she, she inspires me all the time. And, and I love her book, Ling Nin. And I tell my friends all the time, if you haven't read that book, please go back and read that book. It's, it's like, it's like the truth serum. Talk about sharing your medicine. That book has a lot of gems in there. Yes. And the other person that I really, truly deeply admire is, um, Michelle Obama. And I just, I finished reading her book, um, Becoming. And that's an amazing book. I love the candor. I love the honesty. I loved like how, you know, vulnerable she was in that book. And for me, Michelle is, you know, that statuesque woman who is capable. Like she knows how to, know when to support her husband, know when to pivot and, and know when to, to pursue her own strengths and things that she wants to do. And I, and it was nice watching her in the white house and seeing all the different things that she did for humanity and her discovering her passion with women and, and girls. Yeah. Um, the other person is Hillary Clinton, believe it or not. Um, I just love Hillary because she's a smart woman. She's brilliant. Um, she is like, she is powerful. You know what I mean? And she has control and poise and she's brilliant and gracious and she cares about people. Um, and you know, she's always been like someone I've always admired. And the last person I think will surprise, will surprise you is the queen of England. <laughs> I love, and I always, when someone says like, what are the three people? I remember when I applied to the wing, they were like, who are the five people that you're going to have, you know, that you would have tea with. And I, I've already said some of them. And the one person that I would love to have tea with one day, I'm putting it out in universe. Yes. I believe it's going to come through. Um, is the Queen of England. You know, I love her grace. I love her commitment to serving her community. I love what she stands for. She's not an easy woman. She's tough, but she's also a kind woman. Um, and it's nice to just watch her and all the things that she does in her, in 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 the UK and and elsewhere as well. Um, she's a powerful woman, and she's she's you know she's gonna. I think she's ninety four now. She had a birthday quite recently. And she's definitely one of those women I truly, truly admire as well. And I think for me, when I look for inspiration in women, and it, it changes, right? Every single person had a characteristic. I'm looking at it from a personality standpoint. I'm looking at it from a knowledge standpoint. I'm looking at it from a community to commitment to the world standpoint. And I'm looking at how they serve their own immediate environment and outside of that environment. And I'm also looking at it from, you know, from a business standpoint, like who is this woman? How is she, you know, in the, in the boardroom, so to speak? And what else can I glean from her to adjust the way that I live my life? And then I look at their commitment to their families as well and say, you know, who is she and her family? Who is she to her husband, right? Um, to her partner, because I think it's important to, to be balanced because it's not easy juggling so much balls in the air. But you know, society is provided as examples for a reason, and we have to learn from those examples. And that's what I, I definitely allow myself to to dwell into learning more about these individuals that exist in the world. 
if you could leave us with three pieces of advice for life, <laughs> <laughs> what would the what would the, what would that be? Three pieces of advice. Oh my god, that's a tough one. <laughs> um, I think it's like one: trust yourself. Yeah. You know, I think. Yeah. I mean, I've watched people struggle with that. Trust yourself because yourself will never mislead you. Trust yourself. And I think the more you trust yourself, the more confident you'll become in yourself as well. So that's one advice. The other um, advice is be careful who you trust. Um, and I think, you know, it's good to collaborate. It's good to want to connect with folks, but be careful. Make sure there's a value alignment. Make sure that you're connecting with people that have similar values. Even if you can't tell, ask a question. You know what I mean? Like, you know, be careful who you connect with and ask the right question as you're building the connection. It could be someone that you can just be friends with and not never do business with, right? Um, finding where people fit into your life is really important as well in terms of advice. And the last thing that I would say is, you know, choose your friendship well. Because I think what really develops you, um, whether it's relationship, love relationship, whether it's like a partnership, whether it's a co-founder even, whether it's just like your friends that you're just choose, choose your friends, be in control on who you want in your life. <laughs> you know what I mean? I just feel like there's just so many random ass in this world and we feel like we don't have control. You have control and, and seize control. Yeah. Um, and you know, who you're, who you're friends with can definitely derail you or even prevent you from getting to that person that you're supposed to be. Um, and it's okay to like, you know, serve a certain relationship and say, you know what, this is not working for me and be honest, you know, just be honest with yourself and say, you know, this relationship is not working for me and actually come up with a prescription for what it is, what type of relationship you want. And I, I mean, I learned that later on in my life and there's a book that I'm quietly working on um, that my, my, my main character talks about the values, those things, like those three things that I talk about. And hopefully maybe I'll work on it um, during this time, but I need absolute quiet time to be there. <laughs> wow. You are truly magnificent. You are Thank such you. a shining bright light. You are Wow, this conversation, I, I'm, I have chills. I'm, I'm really over the moon. You're incredible. Thank you. And I'm so, so proud to know you. And thank you so much for being on this podcast. Thank you. Really. Thank you. Um, I look forward to seeing you in person and meeting you in person. Yay, <laughs> me too. So let me ask you this. I know you've been the interviewer. Just my... What are two things that you look forward to um, when this is over? Oh, wow. Thank you. And I meant to ask you that question, actually. <laughs> I meant to ask you that. So, well, let's, we should definitely, I want to hear your version. Um, two things I'm looking forward to um, is a simpler life. I think I, I think when you, this is, this is the time that, you know, I've learned to pare everything down. You just pare it down, you pare it down, and as you go, as you go, and you just realize, you know, you just, I don't, I don't need all the clothes in my closet, you know, I don't, I don't need, I, I, I just need a few. <laughs> I don't, you know, it's, the, it's this life of, you know, the excess that I probably didn't even realize I was, I was accumulating. Mm -hmm. You don't need so much. You just need what you said was so true about friendships. Yeah. be careful who your friend you this time you know who your friends are during this time 
you know you it is it is it has given you that insight right Absolutely. and i think that um the two things are really just connecting with those who have been with me and i have been with mm. during this time and giving them a hug mm. and you know having time in person with them to yeah. tell them how much i care for them and 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 thank god that they're in my life yeah. and really and really just pare down life and make it more simple it doesn't need to be complicated yeah no it's so true um you know i look forward to after this i love what you said it's so important um one is i'm i'm actually curious to see how does life continue after all that's happened right yeah. so i'm looking forward to seeing what's going to become and, and i found myself that i would go i'm reading like i would go into the bible and read about certain things that's happened in the Bible to understand. And I've even gone into the history books to look at what happened after this flight, the Spanish flu and all these other things like that plagues that came into the world. Um, the other thing that I'm looking forward to is traveling, like, you know, seeing like one thing I loved about what I love about being, you know, a global speaker that I am is I get the chance to see how other people live in different parts of the world. And I want to continue that. Like I want to continue to create impact and, and, and meet more people and have that inflection on them and vice versa. And so those are the two things that I, I definitely look forward to in the next phase. Absolutely. Absolutely. I love that. And you're right. Traveling. Yes. I mean, something that we took for granted. you know, we took it for granted, you know, we were able to just <laughs> get on a plane and go and you know, and now it's okay. The first time we travel again will be a memorable I know, I know, I know. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for having me. Thank you, Lillian. Enjoy you share. You're incredible. Thank you, dear. God bless and love you. Oh, I'll see you soon. Thank you. <laughs>